So if you have criticisms, I listen, I'm trying to keep this going. Okay, this is my man's dream. Okay, I'm trying to make it happen. So let's let's say you say it. Hello everybody, and welcome to the 2021 version of Ultimate Musical Theater Brackets. This year, it's all about I want songs. My name is Alex Schneidman. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome to the finals. Um, we have almost every judge, every panelist who has joined us along this journey here in our finals to decide the votes. Um, but voting is going to work a little bit differently in this round. The seven judges that we have with us here will each get five votes. They can split up those five votes however they like between our final two songs, which are, I hope I get it, and Waiting for Life. Um, they can put five in one bucket and none in the other. They can do three and two, whatever they want. Um, that It will still be the same 30% of the total tally, though. Um, so we're just going to go around. Everyone's going to say, hey. Uh, first, uh, Mariah, what's up? Say hey. Hey. And uh, Rosie Joe. Good day, everyone. I hope everyone is having a lovely week. Uh, John Schneidman, say hello. Hello. Michael. Hello. Phoebe. Justice for 96,000. Real talk. Marielle. Hello. And Robert. Present. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Robert. Um, wow, this is a, a quite the Northwestern generational uh, span here. Um, got quite the group here. Go Cats. Um, all right. For the very last time, we're going to get right down to it. We're going to talk about these two songs. These two songs are I Hope I Get It from A Chorus Line and Waiting for Life from Once on This Island. Uh, each song has had to defeat five other songs to get to this point and we'll have to beat a sixth to win the championship of the Ultimate Musical Theater Brackets, I Want Songs. Who wants to go first? Does anyone have anything? We've kind of talked I these mean, songs to death. I, I, I'll state something. One of these songs checks every box that one could possibly write on a clipboarded checklist when considering the I Want song. The other song, if you were to listen to the song, you wouldn't write a list of like reasons why it's an I Want song because like that's not the point of the number. However, if you look at it, you could check off most of the boxes on the original clipboarded checklist if we were a time capsule, I would feel more comfortable with waiting for life being opened by a future civilization when it comes to I want song time capsules specifically. Robert, what do you got? Yeah, I'm not really sure why Rosie Joe is bringing up Anton Chekhov um, for this final conversation. And, And it's hard. I think we're all sort of hesitant to be the first one to speak because like you said, we've like spoken these to death at this point but I think based on last week's episode 
Michael made a very good point where like at this point, it's really about how these songs make us feel. Um, and I also want to point out what Mariah said, where it sort of comes to like our own individual experiences um, and sort of like, yeah, our, our lived experiences sort of like seeing these songs performed and also the, the sonic experience too, where you can sort of take that away. Um, I personally, I think, again, I feel like I have a little bit less experience when it comes to a lot of MT, a lot of, a lot of canon, hashtag canon, compared to a lot of the other judges. And I was listening to these songs back and forth earlier today to prepare. And, you know, Waiting for Life is just ascendant in my, in my humble opinion. And I think I hope I get it. They're, they're both I want songs. We don't need to, again, we're, we're not really needing to debate um, how they function um, and like, do they check off, have the, the check off for their lists, I guess. But I think when you sort of take it out of context of, of um, their shows even, and just listen to it in the way that you feel and also that yearning, that want for the character or putting yourself into that, um, I think, that Waiting for Life does that much better. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yes, Mariah? Is anybody splitting up their votes in a way that feels provocative for the conversation? <laughs> Remember, you have five votes. You can split them however you like. Provocative might mean five zero in one direction. Because, okay. I'm I need to know how anything. other people are voting before I know if mine is provocative. Well, it's just, I feel like... I feel like if we were gonna get into it, we would have gotten into it already. I've heard the opinions of all of you prior to this moment. I know how I feel. I'm putting all five, baby, all five on the island because <laughs> I believe, because I believe. I hope I get it got this far, okay? Good for her, good for her. But this is ultimate musical theater bracket. I don't feel any reason to take away any of my five from Waiting for Life. And everybody can split up theirs the way that they want to, but we're all scared to speak against her. And now is your last chance. I, I will, um, John. I I'll speak in defense of God, I hope I get it because somebody has to, damn it. Um, I, cause like, if there's one thing that we all know, it's that chorus line hasn't gotten enough praise and plaudits. We, we should give it its due. Cause clearly it hasn't gotten its proper praise. God, I hope I get it. I think what is amazing about it, and I had alluded to this last time I was on the podcast, was that I think the fact that it makes normal people care about us is a pretty amazing feat. Um, I think that, I think navel gazing theater, and look, I love gazing at my navel as much as anybody, but I think, Theater about theater people tends to um, go right over the heads of normies. Like I, I, I think uh, unless there's like a some really great song or some really flashy spectacle, theater about theater, I, I think just it doesn't it barely works for me, and it's about me. Um, but I think God, I hope I get it. And I was just watching the Tony performance. Like the fact that they're all in the initial audition, like, man, I can suck. And then they get the call back and they're like, I'm gonna get it, which feels very true to life to me. And I think very true to the experiences of many people that like, 
when you're just applying for something, when like you just put your hat in the wing, whether it's a job, whether it's an apartment or a relationship, it's like, this is never happening to me. It's never happening. And then when you get this close, what, when you make it to the next stage, it's like, I got it. It's mine. It's effing mine and nobody's getting in my way. And I think that's something that God, I hope I get it, does really well that makes the experience of these people really, really relatable. Um, and that's why I will stake my claim to it. Trial by combat. I will- Anyone move. feeling the need to combat? Marielle? You know, I don't actually buy the argument that God, I hope I get it is like particularly relatable. And I think I, think I used to, but I just, I just think that so many of us are like crusaders for a chorus line because, you know, it's a famous show and it tells kind of an untold story in the history of our industry. But I think that, I actually think that for most people who are not in theater and who watch a chorus line, it, it's like, it's still, it's still glamorous. Like, I, like I, I think that the show, I think that the show has general appeal. I said this last time, the show, you know, it's like one of the longest running shows in Broadway ever, right? But I, I still, I still think that God, I hope I get it, cannot be evaluated neutrally by anyone who's like been in an audition room. And like, and I remember like, I talked to my dad last week about this. And my dad saw a course line with no context, like never, <laughs> he hates theater. And would he like, when I told him all these like lofty ideas about like what people like us think about a chorus line, like all of that went over his head because to him, it's like anyone auditioning for Broadway is like in a glamorous position. And there's like glamor to it, even if there's hardship and it's art and it's not any kind of work, it's like the artist's journey. And it's very specific to that. And I don't know, I, I'm not explaining this well, but I, I don't think that, God, I hope I get it is particularly relatable. I, I think that the edge that Waiting for Life has over God, I hope I get it for me is also what I spoke about on this podcast before, but it's this like, I guess this like generalized anxiety about like growing up to be a person that nothing has ever happened to. And that is like, I think that is more, has more broad appeal and I think is also more specifically I wanty than God, I hope I get it, which I think is great because it's super, super specific. But I think that we read a lot of nuance into it, like because we've all been in audition rooms or whatever, that is actually sort of lost on people who like a chorus line for other reasons, if that makes sense. Um, I think God, I hope I get it is extremely relatable to anyone who has ever needed a job. I think the point of God, I hope I get it, isn't that these people need glamor. It's that they their unemployment is gone and like they need the job. So I think that is like really the core of, of the want and the need of, of the piece. I want to just talk about this this gla the glamour thing for a second and that term, because for me, like something that is for me unquestionably true about musical theater is that it makes things glamorous. It is like a glamorizing process. 
And to whether that is a responsible thing in the world, I think is a question that has rocked my world in the past 12 months of like, do we actually do disservice when we musicalize things? That said, the reason I love musical theater is because it makes the mundane so majestic. It makes you care about things you don't care about. And the sound of an island girl being bored on an island, not very glamorous, but when she sings fucking Waiting for Life, it's, it's extremely glamorous, it's extremely aspirational. And thus, like, what I want for the American theater is more what I want for our world, which is for us to feel like our desires and our wants are as glamorous and as worthy as having a song to sing them. It's, I want us all to feel like we can get on a stage with a spotlight and belt out our wishes for ourselves. Like, I wish that for everybody. I think that's why we're having this conversation. That's why this thing matters. And what is the song that like really makes me, that, that, that I think like is, an, is a shrine to the act of wanting? That for me is waiting for life. Phoebe, what do you got? Um, okay, so two, maybe three things. Uh, I actually think that Chorus Line does a really good job of um, challenging the idea of glamour as it applies to our industry, specifically musical theater. <laughs> I think in some ways by accident, it was very ahead of its time by showing us how fucking crazy directors just get to be. Um, although that's, you know, hindsight. Um, I also think that like you get a moment of fantasy and glamour at the end of the show when they all come out in the like now famous sparkling gold uh, outfits and sing one like they're in actual performance but you know that it's fantasy because Paul comes out and we watch him get injured so it's like even at the height of glamour within the show it's removed from the reality of the experience um, and I'm not saying that like everyone who sits through chorus line thinks that but I do know that the moment that Paul comes out, you guys know I cape hard for Paul. The moment that Paul comes out, like it is, it, it hits you. It is incredibly emotional because you don't think you're going to see him again because everyone is forced to wonder what on earth they would do if they couldn't dance anymore at the end. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that like my, my sweet father, God, I got to talk about my parents every episode, don't I? My sweet father who like granted is an artist. So unique perspective, but like very much of another medium. He's a visual artist, like loves Chorus Line, like knows every lyric to Chorus Line and has never been in an audition room. And like, I still break his brain by talking about my industry sometimes. So I do think that it has like a universal appeal. And man, like I'm probably gonna throw most, if not all of my votes into Yes, the glamour of speaking to the gods in this <laughs> musical magical context. Um, but like, I, I, I'm not a dancer in any way. God, I'm not a dancer. But there is something so heart pounding and connecting and human to me about the opening of Chorus Line. And I'm really happy that it's made it this far. And I also love how fucking chaotic <laughs> it is and how like not in sync the singers are. I really miss that. Bring it back to Broadway. Okay, bye. Mariah, what do you got? So I just want to like go back to what Mariel was talking about because I think like we have all been in an audition room. Auditions are not like, I hope I get it, <laughs> right? I think that's something like we can all agree to. And I'm not saying, I don't, and Mariel, correct me if this is not what you were trying to say, 
But I don't think what you were trying to point out is that it is some beautiful, like the one sequence at the end, glamorized, fantasized version of it. But like, never in my life have I gone to a dance call and then after the cuts, the director is like, tell me why you want to be here. <laughs> like, that is, and it's part of the conceit of the show. And it's part, it also like, shows a little bit that like Phoebe, like how Phoebe mentioned, like directors have this like weird power and it was sort of illuminating that dynamic at the time, but it is not what it is like. And I, and I do think that, you know, I said this last week too, it's not that I don't think a chorus line has universal appeal, but I think it means something different to us than it does to other people. And I get, I, I get the thing of like, but everybody knows what it's like to, to have a job. But like when I go to my jobs where no one there is like an artist or has done anything with art or cares about art and I explain to them what I do, they're like, you're fucking insane. You go to a job interview three to four times a day. And I'm not saying that that, that that is not something that people can identify with when they're in specific circumstances. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that it is, it is a specific experience and like, like, I think John said this, we glean things from it that other people don't. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just, it's a specific experience. And I think that like, I've been thinking a lot about like, why do we have I want songs as a storytelling tool? And I think they're so moving because like, we are so scared as people at any point in our life, except for maybe when we're really little kids to honestly say what we want and how we want to get it, right? Like, I think this whole past year has been a really interesting time because the tables have turned for everyone. Some of like some people have had it easier, some people haven't, but like the, the tables have turned for everyone. And, and at some point I feel like for myself and for a lot of people I know, there's been this moment where you kind of have to say, well, like, what do I really want now that I have maybe the chance to do something different than what I did? And I. And for a lot of us too, it might not have been what we want, but we need to think about what, what the fuck am I going to do now? What do I want now? Because we're not in the theater anymore. Right. And like, that is also a specific sadness that other people don't share with us or really understand. And like, I think I want songs are so moving because you hear this person say like in real life, we think that people, unless they've already had success, we think that people who like, bravely declare what they want and this like wild way that they're gonna get it like we don't like that and like if we do we like it because we're there are close friends and we believe in them we don't always love that until after they're successful right and that's the well isn't it part of it and I think like part of the reason why I hope I get it isn't like is like perfect opening number for me but isn't perfect I want song for me is because of that little bit of desperation in it. And I think my experience is putting this on it. It's like, yes, they really do need a job, but that's also part of it, right? Like you've already made the choice. You've already made part of your quest to be every day. I have to step into a room and try to do this thing well and try to make people like me. And then if they don't care, I have to move on. Like that's part of the choice you've already made. That And that desperation, I think, takes away not and not in a way that I think is bad, but it's I think it's because I'm not supposed to feel this way in the number. It takes away that little like dreamer aspect for me because like it's not a it's something that you want and it's something that's really meaningful, 
but it's also something that's kind of partially already decided. And like, you kind of have to deal with, you know, you kind of have to deal with whatever happens. Like the, the, the chances are higher that it's not gonna work out than it is on like a typical basis. And the reason I love Waiting for Life, and I didn't say this last week, but like, I love that she in this song is calling upon people to start her quest. Like, I think for a lot of these circumstances change people and they have to jump in and be like, well, fine, I didn't want this, but now this is going to be this alternative way that I get what I want. And then they learn their lesson. She's waiting and waiting and waiting. And she says, just come for me, come get me. I'm ready. And I love that. And that makes you want to be on her team and, and cheer for her. And I love that aspect of it. Um, I did the thing you said, yeah. For us not to do is just talk for a long time but i just i just i don't think it's i i i don't think that we should be creating this dichotomy of it's it is universal or it's not or it's bad or it's not i don't think that it's it's bad that it's specific but i also think no matter what we say it doesn't matter because we all have very similar experiences in theater so we don't know what that's like until somebody else who is not is on the podcast marielle seems you have uh something to say yes yeah, so here's a better a, a better a better version of what I meant. I did not mean that a chorus line glamorizes our industry. It certainly does not. What I mean, and I don't actually think that it's unsuccessful in its mission, which is like pretty much the opposite, right? It's to like portray dancers and actors as hardworking people on par with hardworking people in other industries that are very different than our own. But it does that in part to change perception. Like, I think that there's this I'm like this too, but I think that there's this tendency among actors and all creatives, like people in our field to get really defensive about our work in terms of like, my work is the same as your work. It's the same as everyone's work. Work is work is work is work. And I get that. Our jobs require some defending because people don't understand them. People don't understand them. People don't think about them as being on par with other jobs. And for a reason, right? It's because we are choosing hardness like we are everyone in a chorus line is choosing hardness and is choosing anxiety and is choosing like to have 10 job interviews a day and rejection and physical injury and all like for why like for like that's the central question of a chorus line like why like why are these people choosing to suffer for what like you could have jobs that don't require this kind of emotional and physical toil to get right and so it's different because like, we're not like victims to, like we're not necessarily, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of predatory patterns in our industry, but like, we're not at the end of the day, like forced into this, like everyone has chosen to do this and that makes our jobs different. And so I'm just saying that I think that people like my dad um, don't get that when they come into a chorus line and don't come into a chorus line wanting to understand dancing as being the same as like, you know, working as a nurse in a hospital, you know, because the people don't, people on people who aren't us just don't think about our jobs that way. And that's why the show exists and in, in part to sort of complicate that perception. So yeah, that's more what I meant is that like, I think that the show is successful in its mission, but I think that it takes the whole show. I think it takes the whole show to succeed and to convince someone like my dad that to consider a Broadway dancer as more than just like someone in pursuit of glamour, it, you know, 
that requires some persuasion. And I think it takes more than God, I hope I get it to convince, you know, my dad of the truth that we all hold in our minds because we are actors and we want to be respected in our work. Okay. Here's what I'd like to do. We're going to go around and we're going to vote. And we're going to go in the order that people appeared on the podcast. Um, so we're going to start with Mariah and we're going to end with Phoebe. So let's get down to it. Let's vote. Mariah Lorraine. All five. One, two, three, four, five votes to Lil Miss T Moon because I have yet to hear a criticism this season about her. So why should I take it away from her? Five for waiting for life from once on this island. Michael Hurwitz. I am giving four to waiting for life. A perfect I want song. And I hope that we will just celebrate it at some point. And I will give one to hope I get it for its extraordinary staying power in this bracket. Um, and the fact that we continue to talk about it as if it is continuously puzzling to us, I think um, is, is a testament to the song's strength um, and the song's personal meaning to our lives. Rosie Jo. All five to um, Once on this Island. Uh, Arielle. I am going to mirror Michael and give four to Waiting for Life and one to A Course Line. Um, because I think that this podcast has gone, um, a, like has done a lot to sort of expand my idea of what an I Want song is. Um, but I think that ultimately the spirit and the soaringness of Waiting for Life is like unbeatable and um, deserves the ultimate title. All right. I thought when you said mirror Michael that you were going to invert Michael because that's what mirrors do, but... I understand you were mirroring in the sense that a webcam mirrors. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, um, yeah, like a webcam. By the way, neither song yet has reached the threshold it needs to win this bracket. So it's down to these last three people. <laughs> Robert, what are your votes? All five votes to the powerhouse that is waiting for life. The giant slayer of this bracket. <laughs> Did you see who waiting for life went up against Three weeks in a row. We have to put some respect on that. For our listeners, those three songs are Part of Your World from uh, Little Maid, My Shot from Hamilton, and 96,000 from In the Heights. John, what are your votes? The thing about Waiting for Life is that it's such a pure representation of, there's, I know there's something cool going on out there, and I'm not a part of it. And I want to find myself in the middle of it and like exactly what it's like to be 16 and be so excited to go out into the world and experience it all fresh and like experience new things and experiencing new things is so exciting. Um, five points to God, I hope I get it. Zero points to um, Waiting for Life. All right. And Phoebe? My mouth, it is wide. I, it is a gape. Um, okay, I'm gonna, also I hate that I'm last because you know that I hate being like any determining vote. <laughs> <laughs> really sucks for me. Um, okay, I am gonna, well, obviously first I'm gonna say I'm gonna vote five for 96,000 from Anna Heights. Um, but in actuality, uh, I'm gonna, 
toss four to waiting for life and one two I hope I get it uh John I think the word pure is a thousand percent correct for waiting for life I think it is really clear it's an in, in its intentions I think it is an incredible opportunity for the performer for us to learn about the character um but I gotta still give one to I hope I get it because every single thing that has been listed as a as a con of that song on both this episode and all episodes prior are pros for me. I love how messy it is. I love that it comes structurally in the incorrect place. I love that it is desperate. I love that it, it both has elements of universality and like really, really, really specific uh, character intros. I really love it. And I think it absolutely deserves to have made it this far. So I'm gonna throw one. Okay. Uh, here's what's up. Um, I hope I get it. Won the public vote. Uh, it won the public vote 52 and a half to 47 and a half. Uh, so it was fairly close. Um, it needed 15 of you, though, 15 votes between the seven of you to win. And it only got eight of them. So. That means that the other song, Waiting for Life from One in This Island, uh, wins the ultimate musical theater bracket I want song. Um, and uh, the final cumulative tally is 56 44 in favor of Waiting for Life, our victor this year. Um, Kind of funny, everyone's muted, so I have no sense of the response. But okay, there's some some hula 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 hula. Okay, now thank you everybody for sticking around. Thank you everybody for voting. Um, but we do have one final thing to get through here. Everybody's gonna be asked the same question, and they've got. Just about seconds to respond. Here's the question. First. first asked of Michael Hurwitz. Michael, what do you want for the American theater as we rise from this pandemic? Oh my God. Um, I said part of it before, which I think is my want for the world to, to um, give themselves as much permission to want the way that characters and musicals do and to be unabashed in those desires and in those aspirations. Um, for the American theater, I wish for um, us to stop using the word gatekeeper so much and realize that like gatekeepers also order from Seamless and like watch television and like don't like their time and that we all have the power um, to, to put out the world, put out the, the, the work that we want to see in the world. Um, and I hope that we have the courage and the fortitude to do so. Rosie Joe, what do you want for the American theater as we rise from this pandemic? You know, I um, was on a Zoom this afternoon, um, Zoom town hall of Actors' Equity members that was demanded by, by a petition written by and signed by members that um, Actors' Equity consented to basically for members to confront the union about like whether or not they've been in good faith trying to get us back to work 
Um, and what I learned both from the town hall and from doing some research leading up to it is that we need to shrink the gap between the people working and the people in charge. I feel like still there's so much unknown about the goings on of how theater happens, how it's produced, who holds the key to the gate, who is letting things get produced and who is stopping people from speaking up. Leadership needs to be representative of all of the people working and that means way fewer white people and way more people of color in leadership positions. And it also just means like more transparency when it comes to like money. I think we all need to get on the same page as far as like what matters and why we're doing this in the first place. And like, are we gonna do the right thing or are we gonna follow the money? Marielle, what do you got? What do you want for the American theater? I hope that it is, I hope that it recovers. I hope that it becomes more welcoming to newcomers um, because everyone deserves the opportunity to express themselves in a way that speaks to them. Uh, And I hope that there are more new musicals and less revivals and more new musicals that take inspiration from kinds of stories from around the world, not just in content, but in form. Um, Yeah, and I hope it comes back in a form that's like so different than when it was before that we might have to like come up with a new name for it. Mariah, what do you want for the American theater? I want uh, people to make uh, art that will feel healing to us, not because it will feel entertaining, or sedative, but because uh, we will see something in ourselves reflected in our experience, no matter what that means, that feels very true to us. Um, Because I think we're not going into this. (laughs) Um, I think we're going into this with with a lot, carrying a lot. And I think that it, this could be a tool that is very healing for us and give us some, some peace and some things to think about. And I hope that that happens because we see our actual experiences reflected in what we do. Robert, what do you want for the American theater? Big question, but I'm going to try to keep it to a simple sentence. Um, I want original and accessible yet imaginative stories from new storytellers. John Schneidman, what do you want aside for a job in the American theater? Oh my God. Damn it, you took my joke. Um, <laughs> um, um, what I was gonna say was I would like it to hire me. My real answer is that I think um, it's kind of twofold, but related. I think we can stop underrating our audience. Um, I think our audience is, and I'm coming at this from a, a 
popular theater side. Um, but I, I think we, I think our audience is uh, smarter than we, than it sometimes treated us. Um, and I think, but I also think that like, people are also ready to have some fun. Um, and I hope that we're also having a lot of fun, but both behind the scenes, on stage, um, in the pit where I hope to be. You can e email me for my resume. Um, but uh, I, I think that th this is a really, this has been a really tough 13 months. And by the time Broadway reopens, it'll probably have been about 17 months. And I think our audience will be ready, not just for challenging work, but also just to have a good time. And I hope that's a big part of what comes next. All right, Phoebe, bring us home. What do you want for the I American have, musical? Well, not even the musical theater, just the American theater. <laughs> I have a list. I would like a more focused and representative union. I would like uh, to take coming back from this period uh, as a way of finding more meaningful ways to create like accessible theater in all the ways. Um, I would like a much more inclusive uh literal like bodies in rooms, not just in rehearsal rooms and on stages, but in administrative offices. And I mean like race, class, gender, sexuality. I gender, I didn't like I literally everything. Um, Cause it is, it is so, so uh, monolithic right now. Um, I want far less power granted to like aging white subscriber bases. And I want fewer productions of Murder on the Orient Express. No shade to Murder on the Orient Express. It's a delight. We just don't, we, there don't need to be that many. We can do other things. We can clear out space and do other shit. We can do new plays even. Can you believe it? We could do it. We have, we can do it. All right. Wow. Thank you, everybody. Uh, this has been a real delight and a privilege, uh, despite how much it has uh, taken time away from my studies. Um, you know what? Who cares? Um, Not us. This Mom is and dad do. <laughs> Mom and dad do. <laughs> no, but they don't listen to the podcast. It's all right. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody that has judged all of you here, plus Allie. Um, thank you, everybody that has listened. Thank you, everybody that has voted. Um, and, uh, I hope to be back sooner than I was this time with another bracket, um, perhaps in fewer than 12 months, uh, and perhaps this time on opening numbers. Um, and I'm certain we will get to talk about, I hope I get it again, uh, <laughs> as much as it'll annoy me. Um, all right. Thank you, everybody. This has been really great. Um, see you soon. Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Mrs. Winston has the flu, and a new Walmart's open here. The news is never new for us. You call this a career.